Upstairs, uh, assisting with for for her uh, nephew and niece. She is uh, having fun with home. the babies. <laughs> Translation. Okay. Well, then we shall begin. I I thought. There she to show me. Thank you. Thank you. That's. Obviously, I, I thought you did it on purpose. That's well, why I laughed. It's like, he looks at me like. You don't get it? Another blessing, but yeah, I get it now. Oh, it's a tough crowd today. Yeah, it's because I'm moving slowly. All right, so, did she do an unbelievable job? Yeah. yeah. I, was, I was amazed. And how cool is that? temperature warning thing where her voice and the speed go up like thirds, you know, a couple of jokes and back down. Good stuff. I thought she did outstanding and for everybody that uh, there part she is. Me, there she is. So let us begin. That one I really did mean. 
very, very cool things in the creation story. Um, was there anything about the creation story with regard to Messiah Yeshua that you would want to add to Andrea's comments? I thought of one. Did anybody, anybody think of it? I mean, she had a limited amount of time. She got Are we all the way to the snake yet? I'm sorry? Are we all the way to the snake? Or I, no, I, would, I would hold, before we get to the snake, got that. We got that. still a part of the creation thing. Anybody? Yes, ma'am. Just a small thing, but chapter one. starts with this enlarged bait. And so, you know, the rabbis, being who they are and what they do, right? You know, why did he start with a bait? Why didn't he start with Aleph? Aleph. That's yeah. the first letter. Right. And Aleph, if you know anything about Hebrew, Aleph is, um, is the letter that, uh, that is related to Hashem, right? Uh, Av, Abba, Avinu, our father Avraham. Yeah. So the A, the the, uh, not yeah. the, the Aleph is um, 
symbolic of Hashem. And so the, the answer, why did the why does the Torah start with a bait and not an olive? Is because um, before the bait, the only thing that there was was an olive. Wow. How cool is that? That's really cool. And, and the folks up in the front row were, uh, as you were going to your words, help God himself. Okay, so uh, Mrs. Upham would appreciate it. Uh, I'm not going to blame this on myself. You wrote once, and we appreciate that. They weren't here, they don't know. Um, but it's like we're in school, and I feel like you're like staring at me instead of each other. I prefer you stare at each other. So, grab whatever you got on the floor, stand up, and kind of send your... Set your circle here so that the mic here is at the center. That's it. Okay. Well, I mean, that's what happens when you let You're going to set the circle. Front row, man. Somebody had to. Somebody had to. <laughs> same thing in the beginning the word was with the God and the word was God the Aleph Tav all of the scriptures Aleph Tav from the beginning the first to the last are contained in this creation story good and we see that at all over the place yes ma'am oh I think that you talked about a committed connection between the hovering and the pool walking on the water that was very good that was very good that was very good. <laughs> no footprints. Yeah. Yeah. That's cinematic. You could make a movie with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. that was a good I I read some back some time back in a uh, before it was First Fruits. It was Bakerloo. Yeah, mm -hmm. the magazine. Yeah, and and they had a 
teaching on the large bed as being the word of God. And that if you take and with a pencil say, just go around it with a dotted line, that you create a pay which illustrates the, the mouth of God. Which was my introduction into that group of people. Teach me some more. Oh, dude, that's cool. <laughs> Thought about 
there's a there's a midrash that that really honed in on look at the details of of what was you know what was going on. For example, after uh, after they sinned, it says they were you know they were aware that they were naked, they were ashamed, and they soaked for themselves fig leaves. And so there's a there's a there's a midrash that says hmm, fig leaves. And of course, the, presum- the presumption here is that the that Gan Eden, the Garden of Eden, is in what now would be considered, you know, is the land of Israel. So there's a there is a within Judaism, there's a uh, there's a lore, if you will, that essentially Garden of Eden is was where Jerusalem is today, and so forth. Now, maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. Don't know. But there's a presumption here, and so they're saying. Hmm, they sowed for themselves fig leaves, and so we know when figs, um, we know about fig trees in the land, right? So they knew it had to be a well or something with a calendar to go. So <laughs> they say, hmm, well, that means that it must have been this time of year, and they put the time of year in late summer, early fall, and they hide, and then Hashem comes walking in the garden of cool of the day, and it says he calls, and the, the Hebrew word there is a kol, right? A voice, uh, which is also likened to the sound of a shofar. The voice of the shofar, the kol of the shofar. So this drash puts together this beautiful picture of hmm, maybe that right here in the first fall of Adam and Chava, that it happened about the time of the fall festivals, this season where we're supposed to be introspective and we're supposed to be repentant and so forth. And here they here they 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 uh, sin. They cover themselves with fig leaves, giving us a hint to what time of year it is. And then suddenly Hashem comes, calling like a shofar. What do we do at that time of year? We sound the shofar every day because Hashem is calling us to repentance before the day of judgment when an animal was sacrificed and the blood taken in to the Holy of Holies. So there's this drash that says maybe this all happened, you know, on or about Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, and you have right here God Himself making the first sacrifice because the skins came from. Some innocent animal, and God Himself performs the first sacrifice at the same time of the year when this is what the point of this time of year is. I like it. Cool. And there were tongs there too. And there were tongs. True. The things that were created that preexisted. We need tongs to make tongs. So obviously. <laughs> One of the things about the fall here that, 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 that uh, Jewish wisdom also talks about is they point out that God's comment or God making garments for them is not the immediate thing that happens after the curse. Um, it doesn't say, and to dust you shall return, and the Lord God made garments of skin. It's not. Instead, there's this very odd um, interlude where it says, now the man called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all the living. And it goes back to his naming things yeah. all of a sudden, kind of out of nowhere. And one of the comments there is that it's like a, um, it is represented 
representation, yeah. representative of a sense of repentance. It's like here Adam is showing, who just by the way just said, it was that woman you gave me. <laughs> he is he is seeing his now wife's um, punishment, and he is showing compassion on her by trying to give her a blessing in light of the new status that they have become. Um, so rather than continue to blame her or show a sense of bitterness, it's, it represents a sense of forgiveness, mm -hmm. it represents a sense of responsibility, and it represents his mercy and compassion on his wife to try and help turn her curse into something of a blessing. And then God moves on their path. And that's not to say that, well, obviously we know from First John we love because God first loved us. But at the same time, um, there is forgiveness oftentimes comes chronologically following repentance. Mm -hmm. um, and God wants us to act and move first. Hence why we have the days of awe and the time of repentance sure. before we have God's forgiveness again. And, and I think that we, 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 at least I personally expect to see some representation of Shuba, even in my children, before I'm even willing to think about forgiveness. In, in addition to that, we, we know quite, quite clearly the scriptures say that we will not be forgiven if we don't forgive. So it's it's all part and parcel of the same thing. And that In that regard, you have to wonder if maybe Adam possibly could have been a little resentful um, of, of Eve. Um, and so maybe you see a pattern of repentance in him in forgiving her there. But can I add also that you said shuva, which I think means repentance. But but I think it's important to also be able to forgive even when there's no repentance. True. Jesus no. forgave you have to forgive. on the cross, yeah. even though the people weren't asking for forgiveness. Right. I'm saying it's my it's my 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 nature that I don't want to do that. Oh, even with sure. my children. Sure, sure. Unless I see it. Right. I mean, most people don't want to forgive until to forgive the person that regardless. has done something to them yeah. asks for forgiveness and shows some kind of of uh, regret that they've done something wrong. It's yeah. much harder to forgive sure. someone that doesn't think they did anything wrong. Yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, I was going to point out that one of my favorite verses, well, actually two of my favorite verses, but I was only going to mention one, is in this portion, and it's chapter 3, verse 8, which is when the voice of God is walking through the garden, and I've always liked is the Hebrew there, um, is, the, is actually the word for voice, kol, is what is walking through the garden. You can't really get around that. It's not like they heard God's voice. It's they heard the voice walk. They heard the voice walk. Just like at the, when they're at the base of the mountain. They saw the voice. Right. They saw the voice. Exactly. So similar there. But um, I was just noticing that in the next verse, um, God called out to the man, like Mr. Rothman was saying, and said to him, where are you? And if you read it in the Hebrew, um, it says, Bayomerlo Ayecha. He said to him, where are you? And if you read the Hebrew without the vowel pointings, um, Aecha, where are you, is, is the exact same spelling as the name of the Book of Lamentations, which is like alas, like woe. And um, I just think that's interesting because, of course, you just said it's a rhetorical question. And if you read it without the vowel pointings, you almost, you can hear the sadness already. God already knows. Is that that's, that's Tisha B'Av, which is the, <coughs> the beginning, well, it's towards the beginning of our of our period of repentance in, in preparation for this day. And that's the that's the portion where we're reading Lamentations at that time. 
It is. It is a. It so is a mournful time. Yeah. And you feel this so much with Noah as well later, but towards the end of this portion, where God has this deep remorse about man, and almost it says he he, he repented of having made man. And you can. I mean, I don't know. You, I can feel the sadness. Yeah. It's like it's you, It really is. Yeah. And it, and, it, and, it, and uh, just reading through it today kind of broke my heart too about my own sin and realizing that my sin does that to God. And if it didn't happen, When we were in Israel, we went to the conservative synagogue for one of the Shabbat services, and they have a lady cantor who has a phenomenal voice. <coughs> she canted all of Ecclesiastes. She was about hoarse by the time she was finished, but it was beautiful. But as she hear the the morning as she got to the part, she was very emotional. And she was having a hard time finishing. And then we were at the hotel for the ironic blessing. Mm-hmm. And we were listening to the prayers. And it's a chief rabbi. I'm not sure even who was praying at the moment. But he got to the part about Jerusalem and building the walls. Actually, Shimon Esrei, where, where it talks about uh, uh, um, restore the Davidic line. And he began to weep as he's saying the words over the speakers. And we all looked at he's crying. And, and you just have that sense of understanding God's heart, you know, when, when you hear the words and, and you understand all the vow pointings and all the things and you see that, that, you know, they weep as God has wept. So, yes? I just want to know something that Greg said, that, that he said, like, um, with the whole teshuva and stuff like that, um, I, I think it's a custom or the tradition that, that man was formed on Rosh Hashanah. And uh, that would make sense with the whole blasting, the, the voice. Is, I think part of it also is that man, as soon as man came about, he also screwed up right away. So, yeah. so probably, long. he'd probably yeah. hear that voice of the shofar, and you know, it has that connection to repentance. You know, right away, because yeah. he was mentioning that was probably it was it was very close to that time. You know, there's folks that teach that there's almost like two different gods, where the god of the quote-unquote Old Testament is one of wrath, jealousy, violence, etc., and not a lot of love, not a lot of compassion, maybe passion, but not compassion. And that the god of the quote-unquote New Testament is one of love and mercy, grace, and so forth. So for those that will listen to this after we're long gone, how would you respond to that? Do you see grace in this creation story? Do you see the compassion? Obviously, you see passion and mourning. Obviously, a broken relationship and a disappointment and a, uh, a, a sense of loss. Like you said, it's, it's palpable, right? But where's, where's the grace? Give me, give me the God of the New Testament here in the Old Testament, Taylor. One of the things I struggled with for a while was prophecy of Yeshua in the Tanakh. Because it seemed like a lot of verses that people utilized to say, here's Yeshua in the Tanakh, would point to a text, and then they'd just zip right on over to the apostolic writings, negating all the rest of the Tanakh. And so I thought, well, what about everything in between? There's got to be a better way to find Yeshua in the Tanakh, so to speak. Good. And one of the, the ways that I, I, by the grace of God, began seeing it, it starts in a well-known prophecy of Genesis 3.15, which is that I will put enmity between you and the woman, 
between her, your offspring, speaking to the serpents, and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. And a lot of times people will take that and zip right on over and say, well, that's, that's talking about Yeshua. There is a seed. But in the context, <coughs> Eve doesn't know who God is talking about. She knows that someone's coming. And she knows that he's going to be a redeemer and he's got to be a powerful one. And so you get to this somewhat peculiar verse that's often translated in a host of ways because no one really knows what to do with it. It's in uh, the birth of Cain where Eve, Eve gives birth to Cain and she says, uh, most translations, for instance, the ESV, English Standard Version, say, I have gotten a man with the help of Adonai. But it literally just says, I have gotten a man at Adonai. There's no, like, with the help of or anything like that. And so from what I see in that text, she's saying, I've gotten a man, that is the offspring, who's going to crush the head of the serpent. And he's Adonai. The et there is a sign of the direct object. So I have gotten a man, that is Adonai. So she's right on in who this person is going to be, but her timing is terrible. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but we would expect her theology to be Especially Cain. to the shortest than ours. And so then she's thinking, okay, Cain, this is it. He's the one. He is going to be the one who frees us from this pain and toil that we've been cursed. And so he died. He turns out to be a, sort of a rotten fellow. And so it's like, okay, not this guy, but let's keep looking. And then go on down the genealogy, and you get to Noah. And it says of Noah that out of the ground Adonai has cursed, this one shall bring us relief. So they're like, okay, now, now maybe this is him. But he died. Because well, we thought it was Enoch, but he's gone. Right, and so he just keeps pushing. Like maybe you get down the line, maybe it's David. But then he falls into sin and dies, and that's, that's it. And so he just keeps pushing down the line of there's a redeemer, he's coming, he's, com he's the coming one. And I think that looking at it that way, the whole Tanakh is grace because God didn't have to promise a redeemer. God didn't have to give that uh, revelation so that in each generation there's anticipation yeah. of the undoing of what our hands have wrought. Good, I like it. Um, I noticed you skipped past the patriarchs. But do you not think that Abraham was thinking the same kind of thing when yeah. Isaac shows up? It's like, this, this is the son of promise. Maybe, it's, maybe he's not just referring to the promise to him, but the promise. Senor. I think one other picture of God's grace there in, uh, in the beginning after they fell, it's, it says that he expelled them from the garden, placed the, the, the herbine there to guard the way back to the tree of life. But it also specifically says that the, the water from the river that was in the middle of the garden was flowing out from the garden. Right. And there's a, there's a really beautiful uh, midrash in, in Bereshit Rabbah that, that talks about um, when Adam was expelled from the garden, that he was, I mean, he was sorrowful. He realized the gravity of his error, Good. Major and piece. he's repentant, but he knows he can't. He, he's he's been he doesn't have free access anymore to the source, but yet the this this river of water that emanates from the center of the garden, from the source, if you will, flows out from the garden, and he's able to um, he's able to mikvah to repent and. 
mikvah in this water that comes from the source. So it's a picture of God, even in the separation that we have because of our fallen state, God always provides a way that we can still have a connection. And, and the source access. of the water is there. Yes. And we Good. see that in the prophecies in the future where it says that water will come out of the temple exactly. and will go down to the Dead Sea and heal the Dead Sea. And it won't be salty. It's the Gihon. Another, uh, another cool, cool um, image here is, I can't which book was reading, it was one of the things we were looking at, and they had an interesting twist on the, uh, the sword that guards the way to the tree of life. Mm-hmm. Instead of guarding it in the sense that's like, stay out, you, this is not for you. It leads the way. But it's the other way around. Yeah. It protects it so that it can still be accessed. Yeah. I, I see the swords as amazing grips that he's stopping me. Since I'm obviously obstinate, disobedient, he's stopping me from getting to that other tree in my state. And I like that, which is a little different from what but what I was saying. saying is that the idea that like the sword, which, it, which represents, I think the sword tends to have a lot of representation with the word of God mm-hmm. and ultimately with the Torah. Um, it's like it is it is actually guarding the way into the tree of life. In other words, God's entire point from the very beginning when he sends them out was that they would come back. It was not, oh, you screwed up, it's over, sorry, I hope you know, enjoy the rest of eternity out there. The whole goal was to get them back to the tree of life. So he has he has the Torah, he has the word of God, which is ultimately represented in his full fulfillment in Yeshua, in in a way to protect the way. You can come back, and I'll make sure the door is open when you're ready to come back. I will help you find the way yeah. back to the tree of life. And, and I, I think that we should pick up on Haderic on the way. And you know, the master described himself. Mm-hmm. And we, we started before about salvation. Right? He is selfish. He is the way. Because you can't get past those swords without him. And the Torah, of course, thing you show it is the Ezchaim. It is the tree of life. Amen. There it is. Yes. And I would defer to Mr. Spurlock, because I don't know if he's going to say oh, what no, I was no, going to no. say. No, no. Um, <laughs> Thank you. I was going to say something I learned from his study. No, no. Speak up. On at Hebrews, um, very profound. I'm going to botch it, but the idea would be I just want to let him know that I okay, see him. <laughs> the idea would be that um, the, the way to the tree of life is blocked by the Caribbean. Now, I remember in the Hebrew study, the whole Lincoln Pearls thing with Caribbean, you know? And you're going, okay, strange, but all right. Yeah, Caribbean, Caribbean, all the scriptures. They cover the mercy seat, the mercy seat, the, the cover of the ark, right? It's where the Caribbean are. Well, what's, what's that? That's the dwelling place of God. Well, that's shadow of what's in the heavenlies where do Yeshua go and apply his foot not on the earth right. Hebrews says we may approach boldly the throne of grace it's not on the earth no it's talking about the heavenly place and caravim and sword we did like string pearls on swords and there's all kinds of things I'm, I'm not watching it but I'm in, no, the main point is Sinai is Horeb right yeah, a Sinai is Horeb, which also is the same Hebrew root as sword, um, Chalev, and you see the sword and the prophets talking about those who escape the sword will find grace in the wilderness. So the sword is either used to destroy or it's used to preserve life. So, same thing with the garden. You know, it's the sword is blocking the way to the tree of life, but is it forever? No. 
Yeshua says in, in Revelation, he says, you know, you see him coming on this horse, this white horse after them. He's, he's about to destroy everybody. <laughs> and what does he have coming out of his mouth? Sword. Flaming sword. Which is, it says, the word of God. So you string that pearl on there, and the, the end result is, wow, the way to the tree of life is Yeshua himself. He says, I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So the way is blocked off here, but he himself, God himself provides the opening through that. Amen. Yeah, it's cool. It's really interesting how... Speak up, sir. Yes, sir. It's really interesting how in the garden, they, Adam, as Joshua was saying, they leave, but they have an intention to come back. At least God has an intention for them to come mm -hmm. back. Mm -hmm. But they've lost something that they once had because of one of their faults. And it's kind of the same with um, Jacob Esau. It leads, um, he, Esau comes in, he's hungry, he'll do anything for some food. So he gives up his birthright. He gave what was rightfully his, mm. and mm. Jacob takes it and uses it to get the horse. Mm. Mm. I like that. Yes, that was um, your son, I think. I, he, he was, and and, uh, and he spoke up nicely. Thank you. The uh, I was kind of struck while we were reading the first part with the uh, the problem of sin, and I you know I don't want to get Augustinian. I think it's wrong. <laughs> but I don't want to go down that road completely. It's a huge problem. But it's a huge problem also because it is a complete revelation of grace. You said, where do we see grace? We see God knows the beginning from the end. Why did he ever even create us? And I think that, you know, and, and I, I don't want to propose the answer because I don't know. But I think that it's somewhat evident early on in, in uh, where, where he actually describes uh, before he makes Chava, he makes animals. Because right. he's, he's trying to find a, a company, company for, for, uh, for Adam. And he says it's, it's not good that man be alone. And, it, and I don't know the answer, but it seems to me that it's almost a self-explanation as well. That God wants fellowship. And, and so knowing the end from the beginning, he creates us and, and graciously provides an opportunity for us to not only sin, but to return to him because he wants fellowship. So the whole thing, the whole package is evidence of his grace and evidence of not a need on his part, but a, but a, uh, a, a thing that we can can measure up to that we can uh, play a part in, and that is to provide fellowship for him. Thank you. 
That's actually Missadur as well. By by your light, we see light. Yes. Don't, don't you don't you read this and say to yourself, "Gosh, we messed up. This is really bad." Paul said, even even the ground burns, crying out because of this curse. This is bad news, and yet we see from the very moment. God is there. I don't think it was by accident that he happened to be walking in the cool of the day, looking for them. All these rhetorical questions. Where are you? What have you done? Oh, okay. I get it. What, well, what did you do? And now, what is it that you did? It's such a Jewish mindset. It is. Question after question. Come on, give me an answer. Unbelievable. So what does he do? To all these questions, he's... He's providing an ultimate answer. What a gracious, wonderful, loving Father we have. One of yes. my favorite things that God has done through um, uh, God-fearing and God-loving people in, in, the, in the church, he had, who has, um, God's really spoken through different scientists who are in the creation movement. And I'm so much of a layman, I can't even grasp most of the arguments, but just the plethora of examples of God's Providence and his intelligent design in the creation, which is all played out here, is, is just so profound. And uh, the Psalms speak of all creation, of praising God, and, and yes. the testimony of this, of this work. It's so, so true in ways that I wish I could articulate and understand. Yeah, and then we see in the Apostolic writings a mention of uh, the flood. You know, if you're going to. Many, many naysayers will deny the creation, others will deny that the flood ever happened or that it was a little local flood or something like that. And yet the apostolic scriptures is very clear. That flood is evidence that there is a judging God. And you probably don't want to admit that because judgment might not be something that you had planned for the afternoon. Yes, maybe. I might forget. Too slow. <laughs> <laughs> She's pregnant. <laughs> Great.
And then God says, I will blot out man whom I have created. And you think you just stop there, for I'm sorry that I made him. But he says, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the earth, from man to animals to creeping things and to birds of the sky, for I'm sorry that I made them. And it reminds me of the fact that um, when it comes to sin and righteousness, it's a communal thing. The things that I do affect you and things you do affect me. And the things that the people within the nation does affect the entire nation. And, I mean, in a sense, the way that this verse is laid out, it's like the wickedness of man is so great, it has so damaged the earth, that God is going to have to essentially judge every living thing in existence because of man's sin. And that I think that should give us a real understanding of the gravity of our sin and realizing, I mean, it's like you, know, you read those passages where it's like you know, in the – in the conquest of Canaan, and God says, okay, this group is so bad, you've got to wipe out everybody. And some people look at it today, and they go, that's so not fair. But it's like, well, but that's, you don't get sin. Sin doesn't just stop and start with the person necessarily who does it. It so taints the people and the things around them. So much damage is done by it that it can have a negative consequences even for people who have not directly participated in it. You, you, you brought up some of the comments that we hear as Torah keepers from those not perhaps honoring the Torah quite as much. And we hear that, that you know, this, this, this God was so unfair, unjust, and wiping these people out. And yet, you can see that in the apostolic scriptures. Remember that the house collapses and all those people die, and the master, you know, they came and told the master, do you hear what happened in the next town? Holy cow, every so many people died. And what's his response? Oh, that's, that's terrible. Oh, yeah, we should have a prayer vigil for this. Or let's, let's get some meals together. No, he was very crisp. Don't marvel that these guys died. Marvel that you're still breathing. That, that your sin is such an affront to God that he still allows you to live. That that heart is still beating in the chest that he gave you. Yes? Just picking up on that thought. You, know, you get to the end of the portion. Louder, please, sir. You get to the end of the portion, uh, chapter 6, verse 7. And Adonai said, I will blot out man who created from the face of the ground, from man to animal, creeping things, and birds of the sky. For I've reconsidered my having made them. So, I mean, there's this like pretty blanket statement. Hmm, maybe this wasn't such a good idea. Right. Which, 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 again, has to be rhetorical because God can't make mistakes. Right. And then the last verse of this portion starts with but, right? Gotta love it. But Noah found grace in the eyes of Adonai. And the, the Chazal will see the Messiah in this verse. They see Messiah in Noah because he is a type of Mashiach in the sense that God preserves humanity through, through him. He is a through, through savior-like his, through figure. His obedience. And, um, and if I'm not mistaken, there's also uh, there's also a, a, a cool Gomatria thing that ties it to Messiah as well. I can't remember the details of that. But the point is this. Because the, ver the last verse of the portion that describes the creation of everything ends with this verse which is a picture of the Messiah the conclusion was ah that's the reason for the creation the reason for creation is so that Hashem can send 
Mashiach. So that he can himself dwell among the people whom he created. Yes, ma'am, do you remember? Yes. <laughs> yes, As well, it's not just Elohim is plural, but us. 
one. But the verbs are singular. Yeah. Which means you must have some type of unique setting because the Hebrew doesn't work. You, yes? You were speaking of grace. The we can sing of it, too. Sorry. Hallelujah. That, that when, when they messed up and didn't go into the, to the promised land mm -hmm. and were sentenced to go out into the, for another 40 years, mm -hmm. wasn't that 40 years of grace for Canaan? Absolutely. Good Absolutely. point. Good one. I like that. I like that. Now, of course, you were skipping ahead a whole bunch of questions. Well, he brought it up. I, like it. I, 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 I heard him say it. Over there. Cross-examination. No further questions. Greg mentioned that verse. I love the verse. And Noah found grace in the eyes of, of God. Southern gospel. Noah, Noah and Hen are, are the reverse. They're yeah. the same word backwards, right? With matzah in between. It is. It's in the Hebrew. It says, Noah matzah. Ben really? Ben Noah. It's a different spelling of matzah, but I like it. <laughs> Especially with the, with the Gentiles. That's good. Final comments before we go. Johnny, yes. I had one also to the one about the uniqueness and the 13 principle of faith, where it says, I believe the complete faith of the Creator, blessed is his name, is unique, and there is no uniqueness like his in any way. And that he alone is our God who was, who is, and who always will be. Mm -hmm. I think that that sort of sums it up right there. Mm -hmm. um, my other thought was that, um, I don't know, I have a particular you know, notice for when you see things like God reconsidered, God relented, God repented, you know, whatever your, your translations may vary. Um, the, the word there is nichem, which is like, a, like an extreme form of compassion. We see that same word used when Moses interceded on, the, on behalf of Israel when, um, when God disordered, you know, decided not to destroy Nineveh when they re repented. So it's you want grace, it's, it, it's right there. It's all over. It, it's right there. Yeah, it, 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 there may be times where folks are, are taught a perspective that causes the tunnel vision, and you don't see it. And we need to pray for that because it happens to us as well. Mm -hmm. right? A cool picture of God's provision in His grace. I'd like to go ahead and the Lord's tree comment. So the trees are created day three, man, man is created day six. So even when, you know, the whole reason of the trees is that man may have food. Mm -hmm. So um, even before man was created, God was already providing their substance and already had that in it. And I think it's kind of cool that what's the Torah say you have to wait three years before you can eat the fruit of the trees that are planted in the land? So God waited three days. More proof that the garden is the land.
precisely what God was doing. teach her stuff that wasn't in the word? Did she say stuff that God hadn't said? Touching, feeling, eating. So, so we don't have. So I guess if we don't have time for that, we don't have a time for a discussion on on uh, does God really care about what we eat? And the laws of kashrut is based on. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> yeah. So. So does God care what we eat? Yes. I guess. I guess. I guess the beginning's important. More grace. There it is, not for a barbecue. Let us pray. Of our Father and our King, we are so grateful for the grace which you poured out to us through Messiah Yeshua, fixing the problem of sin from the very beginning, even before. At the foundations, before the foundations of the earth, the Lamb was slain on our behalf. Father, we're grateful for Andrea, for her excellent drash for her excellent chanting, and for the excellent woman that she is becoming. We pray, Father, that you would grant us strength, wisdom, and determination in helping her to grow in the admonition of the Lord. Father, bless the rest of our day. May you be pleased with our rest. Bring us back this evening, Father, to celebrate this wonderful time of joy with the others. Pray these things for Shem Yeshua, Hamashiach, Avnenu, in the name of Messiah Yeshua, our Lord, and everybody said. Amen. Amen. Thank you, folks. So, real quick, just.